Moncrief on News Talk. You are listening to The Moncrief Show on Newstalk 087-1400-106 is our WhatsApp number. Joanna Fortune uh, joins us once again. Afternoon, Joanna. Afternoon, Sean. Uh, So here's your first question. My daughter is due to finish secondary school in May. She has been very vocal with us for a number of years that she has no interest in going to third level education and I've no problem with that. However, with only a few months left in school, she's given us no indication of what she wants to do next. I've spoken to her about an inter internship, apprenticeship and travelling, but you won't entertain any conversation. I was forced to go to college and it wasn't for me, so I really want to get the decision right about what my daughter does does next. However, I find myself getting angry because she doesn't, doesn't seem to want to take any responsibility about what to do after school. By May, she will be an adult, turns 18 in April, so regardless of her pathway, she needs to have some plan in place, no matter what it is. I've tried all approaches in how to sit her down with her and discuss her future. She's no interest. Any help would be appreciated. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it's a big one, isn't it? Because like you're saying here, I really want to get the decision right about what my daughter does next. It's actually not your decision. Mm. And I think that's very easy for me to sit here and say, because when you're the parent in that and you just want the best for them, whatever that might be, you are going, well, I am going to have to help her make a decision and she's not making one. But it's also possible that she's waiting for you to make this decision (laughs) uh, because she's like, well, you're just going to tell me what to do. It's really important you don't. Because this is a really important lesson for her. And I'm also thinking, first of all, I think it would be worth linking in with the school guidance counsellor who could explore alternative options for her to the more kind of do your leaving cert, go to third level education route. I think uh, they they would have, you know, you're mentioning words here like internship, apprenticeship, travelling. They would be able to say, well, what apprenticeship? Where? What's the application process for that and break it down into steps. So I think that could be something that's a very practical thing to do with her rather than you throwing out what could be seen as quite abstract ideas, apprenticeship, whatever that means, Mm, mm. unless she sits down saying, well, actually, I do kind of see myself working in whatever area. And that brings me to the, the sort of bigger point in this letter, you know. After school, this idea of what are you going to do after school, I think it must seem so abstract when you're still in school. Yes. Yeah. You know, I think it's very hard to imagine the after when you're in something that is so all consuming. And she's also sounding in the way she's described here a bit flat about what comes next. You know, eh. To know, maybe to know that kind of thing. It's much easier, and this is true of all of us, by the way. You know, many of us, let's say, (laughs) it's easier to know what you don't want to do and to be absolute and clear about that and not remotely clued in about what you should do. Yes. Yeah. When someone says, Well, I know what I don't want, Mm. well, what do you want? I don't know. Yeah. That's very normal. And particularly when you're still in school and you haven't left yet. I also am thinking that many, if not most of her peers will go to third level education of some kind or yeah. they will be in that process, whether they stick at it or complete it is a different conversation, but they'll be in that kind of a way. And I'm thinking that's the conversation she's going to be surrounded by, not just by her peers, but by teachers and staff in the school. That's the narrative. And I'm wondering if it might be causing her to feel other than those around her when it's points and CAO forms and things like that that are being discussed. And she's like, well, that doesn't really apply to me. So she's getting a little disengaged. Mm, yeah, And that's yeah. going to then carry forward into being disengaged from the conversation about what comes next. I do think, look, that there's too much pressure to know 
what she wants to do next. I actually, I understand from the parenting perspective, by the way, you're going, well, she has to do something. And I totally agree with you. She really does. But I wonder that if you could approach it in a different way and say to her, we all know you will do something, but it's sounding to me like you're not ready to make that choice and you need a bit of time. So try an approach that is take the summer, make no decisions now, take the summer, get a job. You're saying that super casually, like it's a given, by the yeah. way. Yeah. You're not negotiating anything, yeah. anything yeah. that she can yeah. get. Yeah. Take, a, take a summer job, work for the summer. And, you know, September, October time, we can revisit this and see where your head is at and what you'd like to do. I think I would take the pressure off now, the demand mm. off this. You're turning 18 in April. You'll be leaving school in May. If she's sitting exams, I imagine it'll be more June, July yes, time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but she needs to exhale school. I'd give her the summer at least and see what she comes up with herself September, October. What isn't negotiable is that she can't just sit in your house doing yes. nothing. Yeah. So yeah. even if she's like, this job I have for the summer, I'm going to stick at it for a year, save up some money so that I can do something next year. To me, that's a plan. Mm, yeah. You just need to give her some time for it. I just think in school, surrounded by CAO points conversations that aren't relating to her, that's tough. She yeah. may be overwhelmed. Also, even, you know, internships, apprenticeships, they're all kind of long-term investments. And they're not that and, easy uh, to come by. No, no, and they're not that easy to come by. But, 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 but it's, it's almost like asking an 18-year-old, what are you going to be like when you're 22? I don't know. I still How have great hopes for what I'm going know? to be like yeah. 10 years yeah. from now. So Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. So, so uh, it's, it's probably unfair in general to ask an 18-year-old, what do you want to do? Because but parents tend to do it in that rest but of your life We way. do this. Yeah. All of those kids are being asked to put down on paper what they intend to do yeah, and what they want to do. So, like, we do this as a culture, as a society all the time. It's the, it's the entire Leaving Cert CAO application process. Yes. Nail your colours to the mast. What is it you want to do forevermore? And of course, we know in reality, that's not how it works out for many people. You know, you change your mind, you switch courses, it doesn't work out, whatever it might Mm. be. But I do think it's a huge demand to be faced with at 17, 18 years old. So a little bit more of, especially because you're all on the same page that she won't be going to third level education and everybody does not need to go to third level education at all. In fact, the worst thing you could do is go when you don't want to go and you're not interested in going because third level education will be there in 10 years if she decides to go back at any stage. So, you know, I would be saying, take the summer. That's your new line. You're not saying, Mm. well, what is it you're going to do? Have you decided yet? Park that, take it out of the conversation and simply rephrase this as we're not making that decision until after the summer. Take the summer. Yeah. What if she can't make the decision? Sorry to sound like an eight-year-old, but well, but then what? But But then what? what? (laughs) Uh, But what if she? Because I mean, by which I mean, it might take her two years. It absolutely could. But you know, if that is that in itself is a decision. Mm. For me, if yeah. if come September, her decision is I'm going to stick at the job I'm doing yeah, and I don't know what I want to do substantially beyond that. Super. That's a decision. Yeah. You're going to stick okay. at your job. Our youngest son is nine, and has recently put on a bit of weight. Myself and my wife are trying to monitor and manage it, but it's not coming without a few issues. He has a football jersey that he loves and wears all the time. However, 
It's now gotten too small for him. The other day he put it on and when it didn't fit properly, he shouted in the mirror, it's because I'm fat. I don't know what to do or how to communicate with him. I didn't want to say yes, but we're working on it. But this is something he's conscious of now. And I just want to be sensitive about the language I use around him. Discussing weight and body image around young boys is very hard, especially given all his influences are athletes who are in great shape. Oh, I mean, do you know, the days of seeing body image um, as a predominantly female issue are gone. And even in my work with young lads older than this, like in their teenage years, I'm having so many conversations about body image issues, self-esteem, confidence, you know, comparison culture, who they're Mm. comparing themselves to, all of that. So I think it's a good time to begin a body positive conversation. And you're right about language and catching things like, you know, he said it's because I'm fat and I didn't want to say yes. Like fat is just a word to describe a body shape. You know, we're the ones who put very negative connotations on that word. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I think you do want to reframe some of this. You know, our bodies grow and change as we grow. And going back to the football top in the jersey in particular, you know, and just acknowledging in that context of, look, our bodies grow and change as we grow. It doesn't fit you because your body has grown and is changing shape. That's the positive reframing. There's nothing dishonest in that. You're not shying away from the issue. And then I think from that, you could link this to a chat about all the changes that are starting in his body. Because what we have to hold in mind, he's nine and puberty, pre-puberty starts at this age. And it is not unusual for nine-year-olds to gain weight, even significant weight, as a prepubescent, so almost before the, you know, growth spurt happens. You notice this all the way through with children, but it's actually not unusual at this age to gain weight. So unless you're listening and saying, no, Joanna, it's definitely all the Christmas chocolate. Yeah. um, And then it's a simple matter of, okay, how do we restructure that? You know, that was a phase of time. Let's go back to the schedule or routine that was suiting him health-wise. But I think you've got to prepare him that his body is beginning changes that are going to continue. So it's no harm to have that conversation now. And you're not going to say to him, look, weight gain is is fine, but you're also going to normalise it. You're going to say our bodies do get bigger. We do gain some weight as we're getting ready to change and develop. And that's what your body's doing right now. And we can make all kinds of healthy decisions that will support you. But you're going to destigmatize this idea of my body is fat because it's just not helpful. His body is the perfect size for him. Yeah. Given developmentally what's going on. And, you know, I also think you're you're when you say here myself and my wife are trying to monitor and manage it. My immediate question when you read that was like, how? How are you managing it? Because it sounds like the two of you are managing it, but he's not a part of that. And it's mm. about him. Yeah. So I think I'm, you know, can you involve him in body positive ways? Like, I think it's something like coming to him, just being quite practical for a minute um, in the how and saying, you know, in a really kind of excitable, positive tone, the darkest weeks of the year are over now. Yay, we yeah. get, we're going to get to go out for a walk. We're going to get to go to the park and kick a ball around together every evening when I'm finished work. Isn't that brilliant? Mm. So instead of saying, we have to go to the gym yes. or we have to exercise, that we're saying we get to do that mm. because it is, I know it's, it's a bit twee, but actually it does put you, if you try it yourself and say, I get to go to the gym yeah. instead of I have to go <laughs> to the gym. <laughs> Mind over matter. You'll get there. But also I think, you know, you can get into the healthy exercise and food bit. Instead of saying we need to eat healthy and exercise, it becomes we're so lucky that we can eat healthy foods and have fun with activities. Yeah. It 
is about language. You're talking about you, you're careful about language, but actually I think embracing positive and body positive language. I also think you can with him and it's no harm because actually most kids this age are not getting enough physical movement in their day school, everything has become quite sedentary and we are really relying on extracurricular activities a lot for our kids' movement. So you can look for ways that you can increase movement, but do it in positive and playful ways. Playing chasing, playing tag, kicking the ball around, doing it with him. Don't talk about weight. Don't say we need to talk about your weight, but talk about building healthy lifestyle habits together, collaboratively, you Mm. know, as a family, don't single them out. But I think be very aware that For me, without you putting context of how this weight gain has come on for his age and developmental stage, it is sounding developmental. It's sounding quite prepubescent. And I would also suggest the Tyler Fedder book, Bodies Are Cool, which will expose him, you, to every kind of body, every shape, size, ability, with hair, without hair, every colour, everything. And I think it's a really useful, powerful book for that purpose. Yeah, Uh, Someone says, uh, I couldn't get over when I saw my son's TikTok account, all the football Mm. players, MMA fighters and posting topless photos, etc. When I saw these pictures, I became very worried about my son looking at these people who would spend hours training a day and think he should look like that. And they're adults. Yeah. And they're elite athletes as well. But it's that and it's also, Sean, like they're watching TV shows that are made for them, that are for their age group. But the actors are adults playing 16-year-olds with adult bodies. Mm. And you've 16-year-olds looking at that going, gosh, is that what I'm supposed to look like? And the actor hasn't drunk water for the previous six hours just so we could look like that, you know, in that shot. Exactly that. So I do think that's part of, you know, that critical thinking media literacy and just interrogating what images we're being exposed to, all of us, and doing that with our kids, you know, and saying, look, who are you following? Who do you like? Gosh, look at this, look at that. And just getting them to critique the images and get curious about what's real and what's not real. Yeah. Uh, Just going back to that 18 year old who uh, doesn't know what to do uh, with herself when school finishes. A fair few people are suggesting PLC courses. One texter says they're fantastic. So many different options. She might spot something that appeals. There's about a 20% dropout rate from first year college. And this is exactly the reason. I completely agree. PLCs um, are amazing, but I just wasn't clear in this letter. Does she want to do anything further study or any structure? But I think if that's an option, that would be an amazing thing to do. Yeah. My brother is gay and is very close with my two daughters. Recently, they've started asking why he doesn't have a wife. I've tried to explain to them that not every man has a wife, not every woman has a husband. They don't seem to get it. I understand everyone in their life is in what would be deemed an opposite sex traditional relationship. I want to explain things clearly to my girls, but when I do, I feel like I'm not doing a good job. They have more questions than answers. My brother is a huge part of their life and I want them to be as comfortable with his situation as they would be with anyone else's. I should say my brother only came out recently, so part of the reason they're confused is because when they were toddlers, he had a girlfriend. Now, I'm not too sure how old these two girls are, but they do sound kind of young-ish in how this is phrased. And when you say, I want to explain things clearly, the reality is, if you want to explain things clearly to children, say it as it is. Yeah. Just say it. Whatever his name is, let's say James. Uncle James dates men and he has boyfriends because he's gay. Yeah. There you go, it's said. 
Yeah. You know, and boys can marry boys, girls can marry girls. Absolutely. And then you go into anything else beyond that. But you say it directly because children are capable of understanding things way better than we give them credit for. Mm. And as adults, we tend to go this convoluted, over explaining way too many words. I would think, depending on their age, if we're talking kind of nine ish, ten ish, if you can't say this in ten words or less, change how you're saying it. Yeah. Just keep it really to the point. And I think then you do want to, you know, boys can marry boys, whatever way you want to do it, or people get to love whoever they love. And that's a beautiful thing. Mm. Now, if because, you know, he did have girlfriends at one stage and if they say, but he used to date girls, you can say, yes, you're right, he did. And now he's realised he actually prefers to date boys. And that's it. Yeah. Don't go any further or over explain. Osborne have that book all about families. That's really good because it explains all kinds of structures. They also have all about diversity. They've all about a lot of things, by the way. So <laughs> it's worth looking at and geniusjuniors.ie have a great collection of Osborne books if you want to go through them. But it's no harm to have something that is very inclusive in your kids reading lists. Yeah. Uh, our son, our 11 year old son is very nervous. He gets very worried about things and sometimes it prevents him from sleeping. It can be for simple things like not having his homework done properly or seeing serious stories on the news. The extreme can be if my husband isn't home from work at half past six, he starts to panic that something has happened to his dad. If it's after 7pm, he will get really nervous and wait by the window. I can be similar in ways, but I wouldn't be as bad. Is there anything we can teach him in order to help him calm down and always not always jump to the worst conclusion for everything? Oh, he sounds quite anxious. Crikey, Actually, yeah. you know this. I know you're using the word nervous, but actually there's a little bubbling pattern there in what you're saying. And I mean, immediately it'd be easy to say, well, look, if dad's running late, couldn't he send a text saying I'm on my way? I got delayed. Yeah, yeah. But yes, I mean, look, at that might resolve that looking out the window thing, but it's bigger than what he's worried about. It's mm. the fact that he is going to that very intense, worried place so quickly. So you could, and look, he's 11. And if you're listening and thinking he's always been like this, or if this is a sudden, without specific context change, and you're not quite sure where it's come from, do consider bringing him to you know a child psychotherapist, a child psychologist, who can explore what's underpinning yeah, these things yeah. and get to the root cause of the anxiety so that it can be worked through in that way. But aside from that, because if you do that, be it public or private right now, there's generally going to be quite a wait. Mm. There are things that you can do. I think in the moment, sit and listen to him talk out his worry. Don't judge it. Don't minimise it. Don't dismiss it. Just sit and listen and then reflect back what you've heard. But asking him, OK, what is likely or what is not likely, but you're worried about it. Make yeah. him kind of go, well, look, this is the likely thing, but I do worry about the thing that's unlikely, but he's naming it as unlikely. Yes. And you're doing that gently with him. I think you also, with things like worry, the best thing you can do is change the field of vision. So literally have him look at something else. That could be stepping out into the garden or just outside the front door, whatever way you're living, you know, and just having him take a breath out there, identify five things he can see, four things he can hear, three things he can smell, two things he can touch, one thing he can taste, doing a sensory countdown. You can also do a hand breathing. I might post a little video on my social because mm. this you get it if you look at me quicker <laughs> yeah. than me saying it. But when you breathe in, you trace your index finger on the outside of your hand, up and down each finger, yeah. breathing in. And then on the way back, you go the inside 
And breathe out. And breathe yeah. out. And it actually helps because if you say to a young child, you know, breathe in, hold your breath and breathe out there. <gasps> Yeah. Did that, didn't work, you know. Um, so this actually gives them a structure and a time. Other breathing techniques, though, that I would do with children this age is simply getting them to blow bubbles mm. because you have to take a deep breath in and then exhale and you blow out all the air you have to get as many bubbles out as possible. And it's much more child-centered than saying, take a deep breath and calm down, which in the history of being stressed calms Never nobody down. Yeah. So doing that or getting a feather any little art and craft shop will have this, a feather, putting it on your open palms and blowing it, getting him to stand away from you. And he catches it in his hands and blows it back. And you just do this feather blow over and back. He's co-regulating his breath with you. And you're doing this lovely serve and return mm. so that he's with you coming down and simply dancing, putting on some music yeah. and getting him to be silly, wacky, wild, flailing limbs, spinning around for the duration of the song just to get some movement in, outdoor physical play and as much sensory play as you can. These are things you can do at home. But if this is at an over and above level and it reads like it might be, and yeah. if it's been going on for quite a while, I would encourage you to consider some third party professional help, a child psychotherapist who'd be well able to have specific therapy techniques that would help get to what is underneath this what's underpinning it. Yeah. And logic, of course, doesn't work. Ah, uh, never. Don't even attempt it. It's actually kind of frustrating when you're mm. worried for somebody to try and reason with you. Yes. Because actually the part <laughs> of your brain that we rely on for logic and reasoning, you know, that frontal cortex, but you flipped your lid, if you can imagine. Mm. That's offline. And the part of the brain that's on fire when we're anxious is that emotional center of the brain. So when you try and put your logic in there, that's literally like having the radiator on with the window open. It's not landing. Yeah. So come at it in a doing the communication rather than speaking it. And as he's calming with you, because remember, children calm through us. They're calm because we're calm. Mm. So we want to be their calm. But when you can feel, OK, he's reducing down now to that simmer from a boil, that's when you can talk about things. Mm. So the talking about stuff is often the outcome rather than your starting point. Start with play-based interactions that are going to reduce the stress, get movement into the body, engage that tactile sensory piece and bring his breath down. Joanna, thanks a million. Thank As you. ever, Joanna Fortune there. Moncrief, weekdays at 2pm on News Talk.